I'm floating in my boat Not the one I used to fish in But the boat I sit in wishing I still floating on my fishing boat And I'm out here on this river Really? It's just a creek This river when I drank So I'm drinking on my river boat I could sail to the ocean if the wind would come and get me But I ain't going nowhere quickly I'm just a drunken sailor Waiting on a girl with a drink in my hand And a sailboat for sale Thanks for tuning into the Songlines and Tan Lines podcast with Anthony Renfro. Those returning, thank you. Those new to this podcast, welcome. Now let's pull up the anchor and set sail. I will go on the record right here and right now and say that I'm not the biggest Toby Keith fan. Never much liked his music. I enjoy it to a point, but it's not something I go back to very often. But I do like the duet he did with Jimmy for his album, 35 Mile Per Hour Town. That was a song that opened the episode. It's called Sailboat for Sale. Great little duet. And I really like the sound of it. Jimmy and Toby harmonize great together. And this isn't their only duet. I think you guys may know Too Drunk to Karaoke from Songs from Saints Somewhere. Some love that song, some hate it. I'm kind of in the middle. I enjoy it. Not my favorite, but I do enjoy it. And I think you also know Piece of Work from License to Chill, as well as Hey Good Looking, where Toby kind of chimes in with the other artists that Jimmy works with on that album. I think George Strait is on Hey Good Looking, Kenny Chesney, Clint Black, and Toby Keith. So big lineup on that one. Are there more duets? I'm not sure about that, but the ones I know of are the ones I just mentioned, which are Too Drunk to Karaoke, Piece of Work, and Hey Good Looking, and of course the song that opened the episode, Sailboat for Sale. And speaking of Sailboat for Sale, here is more about that song from songfacts.com. It says, the legendary Jimmy Buffett features on this song, which was an idea Toby Keith's longtime collaborator, Bobby Pinson, brought to the writing table. The melody is fantastic, Keith said. The guy swaps for the boat he's dreamed of and realize he got swindled out of what he really wanted, which is the boat he had. I love the part about the old pirate. I put Jimmy Buffett on it and I hope it gains some legs and takes off running or should we say sailing? 
And Jimmy did play this song once in concert in 2014, October of that year. I bet Mac was his duet partner on that one. I bet you. Bet you dollars to donuts it was Mac. And Dropping Knowledge is not done. Here's more about the album 35mm. Here I go again. 35 mile per hour town from Wikipedia. It states 35 mile per hour town is the 18th studio album by Toby Keith. It was released on October 9th, 2015th by Showdog Universal Music. If you guys need to know that. And according to Wikipedia, commercial performance, 35 mile per hour town debuted on the Billboard 200 at number 14 and Top Country Albums at number 2, with 19,000 copies sold in its first week. The album sold a further 6,700 copies in the U.S. in the second week, and there's no more beyond that, so I'm assuming it did pretty well beyond that. Anyways, that was all kind of short and to the point. Almost unnecessary, I guess, Um, but I was kind of surprised to see that was Toby's 18th studio album. That's kind of crazy, because I still remember when should have been a cowboy. Debuted back in the early 90s. Funny how time moves so quickly. Let's now dive into the cover song part of the episode and give a quick listen to this one. I think you might know it. Well, if you want to go down that song line, it's pretty apparent to me where I got the idea to write ballads kind of based on Wino there. He went to Paris, Pirate Looks at 40. 12-old man, African friend, and the list goes on. So we're getting down to the uh, bottom of the uh, treasure chest here, and we got a few things left to play for you. And uh, so uh, let's just dig around down here in the bottom of the mobile pile and see. Oh, oh, here's one. Yeah, let me get this out. And uh, as you might guess, uh, this one probably needs a story to to tell you where this song came from. Whoever said you can't ever go home? Sometimes you have to go home, even when you don't want to. That's a little lesson I learned around this time. As a sailor, you go where the wind takes you. I intended for it to blow me far from the port city of Mobile to seek fortune and fame. Still, my embarkation point was also my disembarking point. The winds had taken me back to the starting line. I figured the universe had a reason for that, so I just went along for the ride and wound up in the studio with Milton and Travis, where the actual road to success began. Milton was the wizard who found me work around town, became my first manager, and blazed the trail that eventually led to Nashville. Though Mardi Gras and the New World started in Mobile, it was not a town prone to a nightlife reputation other than those two weeks before Lent. Biloxi in New Orleans was where we went to kick up our heels. Mobile tended to move to its own beat, and that hasn't changed to this day. It drifts along at a timeless, predictable cadence. But there actually were two big events on a national scale besides Mardi Gras, the Senior Bowl game and the America's Junior Miss pageant. Southerners love beauty pageants, and since Atlantic City claimed the Miss America pageant, Little old Mobile somehow attracted the America's Junior Miss event to town. Milton was also very active in civic functions and 
tried to use its influence to get a hometown talent on the Junior Miss pageant and national television. He pitched the idea to the people who ran the pageant that it would be great to feature a local boy, me, on the show. Well, they were not seeing it his way. This was a big deal to showcase Mobile, and they wanted stars. And I was just a bar singer. Milton did, however, get me a gig. He explained to me that I wasn't going to make my national TV debut as part of the pageant, but he did get me a job playing to the contestants at breakfast the morning of the final day of the pageant. Let's just say that back in those days, I did not do a lot of breakfast shows. So when Milton revealed to me that I would have to be performing at 7 a.m., I kind of flinched for a moment, but only a moment, because when you're down at the bottom of the success ladder, you better do anything you can to get yourself a few rungs up that ladder and separate from the pack. So I got up at 6 a.m., tuned my 12-string, drank a cafe au lait, ate a few beignets, and played breakfast for the Junior Miss contestants. They seemed to like it. So here is a live version of that infamous breakfast buffet in Mobile with yours truly and the Junior Miss contestants singing along to California Dreamer. And by the way, I don't think I've ever done another breakfast gig other than maybe the Today Show since then. This is California Dreamer. Wait a minute, don't get started here. <laughs> We on? Yeah. Don't bring me candy. Let's do one. I say we'll do one. You don't need this one doesn't need any introduction. You know what to do on this. All the leaves are brown. And the sky is That went a little longer than a minute, too, but I really like that story that leads into that song, so that's why I captured it. I hope you guys enjoyed it, too. And that is a very young Jimmy Buffett singing California Dreamin'. It was a song he recorded before he found fame, as you heard in his little story before the song. It can be found in his album Buried Treasure Volume 1. And here's more about that album from blog.margaritaville.com. It says, Buried Treasure, Lost, Then Found. Jimmy Buffett's Buried Treasure is exactly that, a unique collection of acoustic songs that Jimmy wrote and recorded in the early days of his career, but then were lost for many years. A few years ago, when legendary Nashville producer Buzz Kaysen sold his recording studio, there was some cleaning up to do. That is when Jimmy learned that they had found a sizable collection of one-fourth inch tapes there were the original demos of songs Jimmy had written and recorded for Buzz when he was writing for his publishing company in the late 60s. 
It turned out there were over 125 songs in that pile of tape boxes. Pause the train. Let's have a little sidebar. We all have a feeling there's more Jimmy Buffett material lurking out there beyond Equal Strain on All Parts, which is his final studio album. So apparently there's 125 songs that were found and what, 10 to 20 are on this buried treasure? So that gives us over, what, 100 more songs out there that maybe we've never heard before? So I don't know what these demos sound like, if they're passable or not, or what's there, but that sounds like at least another couple albums of buried treasure just from this little find alone. So just wanted to dive into that very briefly. So fingers crossed that we can salvage some of these 125 songs and get them on some records and give them a good listen. That would be fun to hear. Okay, back to it. And as Jimmy describes it, there is a reason we are calling this collection of songs and stories buried treasure. Because they were literally buried in a closet in a recording studio in Nashville for decades. They were discovered by an old friend, Travis Turk, who actually recorded those tracks in Mobile, Alabama in 1969 and more in Nashville in the years following, when we both wound up moving there. Travis eventually produced the first two albums I recorded in Nashville as well. When we first found the tapes of Buried Treasure, I didn't know that it would turn out to be such a unique situation where I'd actually get to honor and introduce the people who started me out. Cool stuff to learn. And from songfacts.com, here's something about the song California Dreamin'. In 2002 interview with National Public Radio, Michelle Phillips explained how this song came about. It was 1963, and she was newly married to John Phillips. They were living in New York City, which was having a particularly cold winter, at least by Michelle's standards, as she was from sunny California. John would walk around the apartment at night working out tunes, and one morning brought the first verse of the song to Michelle. It was a song about longing to be at another place, and it was inspired by Michelle's homesickness. Again, good stuff to learn. And in that song facts data, I stumbled onto this nugget. It says, when the group was just started out in 1965, their friend Barry McGuire helped them get a contract with his record label, Dunhill Records. Did you catch that? Casual listener, constant listener. What's important in that statement? Did anyone say Dunhill? You get a prize if you did. It's not a big thing, nothing life-altering. It won't change the universe. But it's something I found interesting. Jimmy Buffett covered California Dreamin' when he was a young and -and up-and-comer. And years later, Jimmy himself would be signed to the ABC Dunhill label, the same label that signed the Mama and Papa's years before. Thought that was a nice bit of symmetry and a unique coincidence. Sometimes this world is a lot smaller than we realize. Let me drop anchor here and close out this episode. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. If you haven't already, if you want to support me, if you want to reach out and talk to me, all of that good stuff and all of those links can be found in the show notes. That's it. Take care and thanks for listening. And I forgot to mention, closing out the episode is The Mamas and the Papas, California Dreamin'. Again, 
Take care and thanks for listening.